0: Who's still Buffering, A Cross-Generational Guide to the Culture That Made Us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy.
1: And I'm Taylor Smurl.
2: I'm looking at Justin's computer screen here because it's still on. I'm not like creeping on his stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just right here in front of me mm-hmm. in the studio where we're recording. And he has a request from Charlie. So when Charlie wants to download something from the app store, mm-hmm. she has to send a request to her parents so that she doesn't just because she would She's buy. Eight. So. She Every pop-up ad she wants to buy. Every one of those, like, I don't even know if it's a real game. It may just be a virus or, like, accidentally you're trying to purchase cryptocurrency or something. You know what I mean? Like, they look
0: like only sort of games. So when I wonder who's the target audience for this wild ad I'm looking at, it's Charlie. That's yes. what
1: I was just thinking. How much of their money do you think comes from just kids that hit purchase and parents go, oh, crap, well, we're not uh-huh. going to get our money back, but we'll just delete it.
2: I'm worried that it happens a lot, and I hope all parents know about that ability to like screen it. Because like sometimes she'll send things, and we'll be like, "Honey, this is this is not fun. Like you think it is. Like this is basically a video lottery game that you've accidentally. (laughs) (laughs) This This is is not fun. This this is gambling. (laughs) This isn't a game. This is gambling. You won't like this. I know it seems fun, um, but anyway, I can see this request that she has sent to Justin that he has yet to act on. And she asked to get Flubzies, a fluff to love,
0: <laughs> from I, the App Store. That that request has been there for at least 24 hours now because she told me she found it yesterday and she was really excited to get it.
2: What is Flubzies, a fluff to love?
1: Sounds like something designed for a child in charge of an iPad to click on and spend some of the family money. <laughs> what are Flubzies? Well, it's a fluff to love clearly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what there,
2: does Zizi. that mean? A fluff to love?
1: It's a fluff with the intended purposes of being loved.
0: That's- what is a fluff? It's actually a fluv, Sid. Um, they're called fluvzies with a V. Uh huh. Fluvzies. Oh, so it's welcome- literally
1: right there in the name.
0: Oh, well, welcome to the world of incredibly cuddly and adorably cute. Pets called Flubsies. Have fun taking care of these tiny virtual pets. Hatch their eggs, gather all Flubsies, and enjoy playing fun activities with these extremely cute animals. Play Flubsies, a Flub to Love, a breathtakingly charming virtual <laughs> pet management game for kids of all ages. So it's a Tamagotchi. It's a Tamagotchi. Except I like that it says, collect all, or sorry, gather all Flubsies. Gather them all. <laughs> Uh, I like that it's what is it breathtakingly
2: charming? Yes, correct, breathtakingly charming. <laughs> that's that's quite a bit of hyperbole for like uh you know uh, this is a digital animal that you can purchase an you want app. do hear of. how
0: in-depth this ad gets? In the game there are various types of Flubsies. Therefore players can freely evolve them into more adorable ones. They can mix and match each species to produce new ones. Whoa. The outcome provides the simulation gaming genre with an additional layer of features. Moreover, you can also look into other fascinating pet developments.
1: So there's a, there's a breeding element to the <laughs> Flubsies?
0: <laughs> there's yes, there's breeding. Now there's if breeding there is, if there there's gene like genotyping, there's designing custom yeah. Flubsies. Okay. It's Gregor Mendel and the pea plants uh, yeah. mm-hmm. only. It's Flubsies. Imagine if Gregor Mendel had flubsies. This description of this game goes on for another like three scrolls down my screen. Who's reading this? I, I, <laughs> not Charlie. Oh, me.
1: I do not think you should let your daughter play <laughs> Fluffy <Flubzies laughs> <the> Eugenics Game.
2: <laughs> I. I also. I think it. I wonder how the mechanic of the game works, where you breed flubsies. Um, Can I just tell you the graphics that would, of this game are like, absolutely abhorrent. <laughs> we have not we have not had a conversation
1: yet where that, Charlie that would the fully and the bees and the flubsies and the trees. <laughs> okay,
2: <laughs> we, well, exactly. We have not had that. I mean, I'm not because I'm unwilling. I mean, you both know I am oh, totally I open willing, to. T- yes, I have offered to talk Be to because Charlie has bumped willing. right up against that question. Like we've gotten right up to it. And uh, then she's like, "No, I'm not ready yet. I don't want to know. She knows there's something that she doesn't want to know, And she's not ready for it. And I'm like, "Okay, well, when you're ready, I'm here, you know, And eventually, like, we do have to get ready someday because I want you to you know, be able to take care of yourself, and it's important to have information. But like this would uh, this would raise some questions, okay, for her. but
0: but I don't think it really would because I just sent you all a picture that I believe is a graphic from the game depicting how they show um breeding it looks- and it's like a it's like a little like a little machine that you put a Flubsy in each side and it just kind of like does that a little electro Frankenstein thing over their heads and shows you on a little screen in the middle what the combination of those two flubsies is going to look like. And then it puts that in an egg.
1: It's like a like a Cronenbergian fly situation, but with like a Lisa Frank palette over. Top yeah, of it.
0: that's. Yeah, I like that. There's an arrow pointing from the screen of the projected Flubsy child to an egg that has eyes peeking through yeah
1: like is, look is out that's where it's rock. gonna
0: go <laughs> I uh I, I definitely I'm glad you said the fly
2: because that was the first thing I thought when I looked at that the first thing I thought was uh, yeah. oh they got this design from the
1: fly yeah I mean I don't oh, man that
2: that's a horrifying movie
1: I guess you, you might if she does get this game said you gotta get a jump on that because if you haven't taught her reproduction this is the primer she's gonna get so you know <laughs> this is gonna be
0: very now, confusing <laughs> I will say, I played a game called Pocket Frogs that was quite popular back in the day. And that was a game where you had a collection of frogs in your pocket and you (laughs) hopped them around on little pads, but you tried to get your frog to to land on other frogs so that you could create new frogs by combining your frog with the frog you land on. Um, So I guess that was a form of reproduction, really, when you think about it. That's how babies are made. You just land (laughs) on someone you like. It was it. always very much like obvious, like oh, the frog you landed on has vertical stripes, and yours is blue, so the new frog you get is going to be blue with vertical stripes. That's how reproduction works. That's genes. <laughs> Basically. Hey, congratulations. Yeah. Then I got really into Punnett squares.
2: Yeah. This this would be much more disturbing. When two people love each other very much, they get inside twin machines <laughs> that resemble the machine from the fly starring Jeff Goldblum. And then a bolt means. of lightning passes between the two of them and an egg is formed <laughs> outside of both, just on the just sort it
0: of never outside Never comes into contact with either of them, no. no.
1: with select genetic traits from each of them.
0: <laughs> and they never come into contact with each other. No.
2: Honestly, like if you because I have thought about this, I'm certain you all haven't thought about this, but I have thought about like if I'm having to explain these things to to my kid, like how would I make it as easy to understand and simple and not get not like freak Charlie out and not get too hung up on like any sort of emotional part of it, just like brass tacks. I've thought through this, like how would you describe reproduction and how that where I've thought I've thought about the talk. What would I say? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you break it down like that and you really think about it bit by bit, it's no less weird than these two creatures in their in their electric machines and the egg that magically appears outside them.
0: That's true.
1: Well, I, w- I wouldn't say it's, it's no less weird because that like, human <laughs> reproduction happens and this doesn't. So that's an important differential <laughs> to me.
2: Okay, well, I just mean like when you explain it from outside as if like... You're not from this planet. and I need explaining to... this to a Flubsy, for yes. example. <laughs> I think a Flubsy might look at you and go, that sounds weird and a little gross. Can I say Charlie will love this game? So I should let her get Flubsy's fluff to love? I mean, like, just love. look
0: at, did you hear what it sounds like? She'd love that.
2: She would like Flubsy's a fluff to love love to love gather them all somehow cooper got one of those games where it's like you do the makeup and hair but you also like they start out with like a bunch of zits yeah and like you know have you seen those and they're like like they start off like really exaggerated like dirty or like they haven't i don't know like literally dirty like covered in dirt like covered in literal dirt yeah I don't know how she got it but she likes that one and she's like look I cleaned all her zits up and I'm like okay why do you like this why is this a thing she's always like I want to leave her unibrow but they don't let me she's got diverse tastes well, I know she likes the unibrow but they they never you, they won't let you move on to the next thing until you fix the unibrow That's true
1: and she likes the unibrow Sid why are you letting her play a game that reinforces negative beauty standards I didn't get that I don't know Justin she probably
2: yeah she probably sent the request to Justin and he was like whatever <laughs> Fluffy away
0: <laughs> except he didn't approve Fluffy.
1: <laughs> he looks at <laughs> it he's like no not that
0: it's been a full day Fluff to love
2: I gotta check this out.
1: <laughs> now, Justin's sound been playing
2: it. Justin's been playing Flubsies. Yeah. Um, uh,
0: we're not okay. talking about Flubsies. No, I'm guys. sorry. I, I just. It was I got too distracted good, by the Flubsies. Love to love. I got pulled
1: in. Tay, what are we talking yeah. about? Uh, we are talking about Paramore today. Uh, it is. Uh, they're very I mean I guess they're they're having a whole new generation of fans now but a uh, era band they formed in Tennessee in like 2004 uh the the first album that I associate them with is actually their second album which is Riot, which came out in 2007 um, but uh you know big in the pop punk uh, emo alt rock kind of power pop vibes a lot of hits mm-hmm. Haley. Haley Williams, of course, the very uh beloved front woman. It's very iconic with her cool hair.
0: Yeah, a lot of hits to the point where I was listening to this playlist that you put together for us that has what about like a dozen songs or so? Yeah. Um and I knew like seventy five percent of them. Like didn't just know them like, oh, I've heard this before. I was like, Oh, I know all of the words to this song. And I were ones that I knew were Paramore, I guess probably somewhere in the back of my mind, but never would have said like, "Oh yeah, I know this many Paramore songs."
2: Yeah. I I had that weird moment too, Tay, and I mean, I I felt like I should be more familiar because of just when, you know, when Paramore's from, but uh I was listening to songs on this and going, oh, is that who did that song? Like <laughs> over and over again, like, oh, that's them too. Like I, I knew the songs. I'd heard the songs probably on the radio over and over again. But I had no idea this was all the same band.
1: Well, usually when I make y'all a playlist, I start with like uh, the hits, the ones that I know you're going to know. And then I feed in some deeper cuts. And with this, I just found like, well, I this is enough to listen to. It's really just a whole lot of hits, but that's OK, I guess. <laughs>
2: Well, they had a lot of hits and I don't. Yeah, it's really weird to me that like I don't consider them to. And again, this is just from my limited perspective. And I am not a person who was particularly cool about music or into the you know, like I was never that knowledgeable about what kind of music was out there. That was never my sort of thing. I don't think of Paramore as like a huge band of that time period. Yes, they existed, but I wouldn't have put them up there high as like, oh, a band everybody was listening to. But obviously, I'm wrong. They were because everyone was listening to these songs.
1: Well, and I was surprised when I was looking over the spread of like the years of the albums. Like, in my mind, it's like, oh, yeah, they were a band that was popular back when I was younger. It's it's wild that all these younger kids are into them now. And I was like, oh, well, that's actually wrong. They have consistently been releasing albums that have done well, like, you know, not every every year, but like, you mm-hmm. know, they had hit songs in 2017. They've got a new al- album out in 2023 that's got some, you know, a ton of radio hits on it. Like it's been every couple of years consistently since they started. So they didn't really have like that, you know, in my mind there was a break, but there really wasn't.
0: Yeah, I mean they they had a song, they had a song that I loved that I knew from the Twilight soundtrack mm-hmm. because that like they were of that time that was like the mid, I don't know late two thousands early twenty tens I forget when those movies came. Do I out. know that song? It's called Decode. Hmm. Um, I believe it was in the first Twilight movie. I could be wrong, but. I bet I like that, too. And you I probably did, And I didn't realize yeah. that it was by Paramore. Again, it was one that I, I was listening. It, it's not on this playlist you made, but I continued past it and just kept listening to more. And then I heard it, and I was like, well, wait a minute.
2: Because, yes, I do like Twilight. Oh,
0: yeah, you do. <laughs> um, but, I mean, the only exception, I will just say, has always been one of my favorite songs. Yeah. Because they did... The, you are going to roll your eyes at me for saying this. They did it on Glee. And I liked the glee version and then I was inspired after hearing it on glee I mean at least over a decade ago to go then look up the real one and it was one of the only songs that I hadn't heard before on glee that then I liked the OG version more than whatever Rachel Berry was singing
2: Who did is that who sang it Yeah I don't remember She sang her it doing to Finn it. Wow, I didn't, okay, here's another one That song came on and I was like, oh, I love this song mm-hmm. That's Paramore? I know well, No idea
0: It's a It's a really good example of how they they very much diversified the, mm-hmm. the genre they fit into I mean, it still isn't, I mean, it's not like a slow indie acoustic vibe But it is more of that than a lot of their other punk-y stuff But it still has the same flavors of Paramore mm-hmm. That you're like, oh, well, this is Hayley Williams hmm. I love that song.
2: Why do you think, Tay, like, in my mind, if you asked me, prior to you sending us this playlist and us doing this episode, if you had asked me, like, what do you know about the song or about the band Paramore, I would have said, well, they did that one hit song, Misery Business. <laughs> and that is what I would have, and I, I don't mean, I'm not trying to throw shade, yeah. that's just all I knew. I, obviously, they have tons of popular songs that I totally knew and had heard, but I did not associate with them. Except for Misery Business, which I 100% always did even before mm-hmm. the Olivia Rodrigo thing where everybody was talking about it. Yeah. Even before that, I still would have told you that. Like, yeah. why is that the song that... Because a lot of these are huge hits.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think because Misery Business was still... Like, it was such a an anthem for a very specific scene, you know? Like was it? See, I don't. I didn't know that. That was just such like the, like peak. Like it wasn't really even emo. It was like literally, literally like seen kids. That's what I associate it with. That like MySpace days. You know, like that. That was just such an emblematic song of that era. That it's not that their other hits aren't hits. It's just their other hits have like more wide like radio appeal. Misery Business was sort of an icon of an era, um, and it was also one of the first big songs of theirs. You know, it's one of the first songs that really. Uh, landed them it's I I mean I don't know like why do we associate Green Day with Basket Case even though they've had a hundred radio hits since then because it's one of the Mm. first songs that we went oh that's Green Day
2: that is true that is true and it it is still the one like if I were to pick one song that I associate with Green Day above all others even knowing tons of Green Day songs that is the song I would
1: I would pick which is it's funny because they didn't play Misery business for something like four years. Uh, uh, they 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 recently started playing it at their shows, but mm-hmm. they stopped playing it because uh, I mean I think fair backlash to some of the lyrics, and then it's sort of like two women vying for the same guy, and the mm-hmm. the singer's perspective is describing the other woman as you know the. I don't want to, I don't know what, what language we can use on <laughs> this podcast.
2: <laughs> but derogatory. Yes. Sort of anti-feminist language. Yes.
1: And, uh, yes. like, kind of like, also I think sort of now associated with what we think of as a pick-me girl, you know, like, I'm not like other girls. I'm edgy yeah. and different. You know, that kind of skater boy vibe of Avril Lavigne. <laughs> uh... And and I mean (laughs) Gator Boy vibe. I think Haley Williams has smart perspective on it because she's talked about it since then. I'm just being like, I was young. I feel differently now. Um, But people love the song, so we'll play it. But I can recognize that those lyrics were kind of those lyrics were inappropriate looking back.
2: Yeah, but that's an evolution we all had to make. And I Mm -hmm. have to say, not that I mean as a as I I don't I don't ever think I was like a pick me girl. But I definitely bought into a lot of that, like, oh, I'm more laid back. I'm not I'm not a girly girl. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of my best friends are guys like I, I definitely felt the pressure to be that yeah. and to like see women around me as competition for the same thing and to see like uh, opportunities in life as like, well, there'll be one girl spot. So I better make sure I'm, I get the girl spot. I I was conditioned that way. I was socialized that way. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and I mean, that wasn't even just confined to this era when like Riot was coming out. I know songs from Miley Cyrus, Taylor Swift, Selena Mm -hmm. Gomez, Demi Lovato that came out in like, you know, my era of being young that say the same thing, you know, maybe in different ways. But I mean, You Belong With Me is one of Taylor Swift's most popular songs Mm -hmm. ever. And it's all about how. She wears short skirts and high heels, and I wear sneakers. And I'm in the band. Like I'm more, I'm cooler, I'm better for you. She's Mm -hmm. she's too snotty or whatever. She's a cheerleader. Yeah, she's a cheerleader. Like it's it, it it's a very popular trope, I think, in a lot of female music throughout time. And I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna lie. I still like those songs. I have multiple playlists on Spotify that are like you know. It's it's a little bit misogynistic, mm-hmm. but it still slaps.
1: <laughs> I hope that's the name of your playlist. It's a little bit misogynistic, do... but it still slaps.
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I think I do have one. I don't know if I'm. I don't think I made it. I can't take credit for it. But I do have one. I say from someone that's called misogyny, but it slaps. Mm-hmm. If if we're gonna, I mean, and I'm allowed to. <laughs> You're I'm allowed to. Allowed to. <laughs> well,
2: I think I think here's the thing: is like you start bumping up against, and this is not just true for music, it's true for a lot of art. Um, if we want to start throwing stuff away because of the way, like whatever group you want to talk about, in this case, we're talking about women, the way that it treats, you know, feminine presenting people. If if we want to start throwing anything away that isn't respectful in the way it approaches womanhood, femininity, that concept that, that says things we'd rather them not say anymore, uses words we'd rather, I mean, like, how many decades of music do we have to toss? How many books? How many movies? Like we have to throw so much stuff away because that has permeated our culture for so long that I think it's okay. I mean, I I really like, um, I like a lot of like hairband hair band rock ballad kind of music. I have a lot of those on my playlist. Mm-hmm. Like some of those really cheesy ballad kind of songs. Like there's some Chicago on there. Mm-hmm. I'm always happy. And a lot of the ways that those bands talk about women is not good. Mm-hmm. Like, and then if you start looking at their music videos, it's like, oh, but they're still on my playlist. I mean,
0: well, I mean, I still even, think like the tune is good. The melody's catchy. The chorus rocks. I don't know. Even just looking at this misogyny, you know, but it slaps playlist that I didn't make. I can't take credit for that. It is on Spotify. If you just look up that name, um, Misery Business is on here. But there are lots of bands and individual artists that are featured on here, like many, many times. Like Avril Lavigne is on here like five times. Yeah. Um, other, I mean, Taylor Swift is on here multiple times. Ariana Grande, even Doja Cow, the song that came out like two years ago. I mean, it's not. I don't know. It's it's not an it's not a not an outdated thing. I, we're still doing it. Still doing it. Yeah. Well, I
1: don't know. I think it's it's worth noting that Haley Williams, I think, was 17 when she wrote the lyrics to Misery yeah. Business, and yeah. she was writing it about someone, like, I think sometimes we tend to think of lyrics as being produced by some, like, machine meant, like, for consumption. Like, why was this mm-hmm. not made with me in mind and my sensibilities? Right. And when you're a unknown 17-year-old writing angry pop-punk songs you know, about people that you think have have hurt you, I don't think you're thinking, how is this going to play out No, in, in the long run? So I don't know. Like, I don't, I, I think it's, I no. think you can, you know, if you're of the mindset like, yeah, but I never want to hear that song again, I think that's fine. Yeah, you absolutely don't yeah. ever have to listen to that song again. Do I think that there are absolutely, are there still a lot of men out there who have done, I mean, not even much worse things, like actually horrendous things who have their entire catalog celebrated and promoted and beloved. I think that, you know, it's a a little it's a little silly how much heat she's gotten for for that compared to, I don't know, people that have never, never even had that conversation with themselves over not just their lyrics, their actual actions. Because
2: even because we'll give women a harder time about misogyny even than we will about then we will give men that's
0: what I was thinking like I, it is a little bit different at least like not that I'm saying like misogyny is cool if you're a woman doing it but like there is a difference between men having perspectives on women that are inherently patriarchal and misogynistic and women writing about female experiences that aren't necessarily not misogynistic but they're not the same thing as like men feeding into a culture that's like harmful mm-hmm. and damaging And like actually harmful. Yeah.
2: I want to talk more about that because I think that that's that complexity is really interesting. But before we do that, let's check the group message. Taylor, we got a jumbotron this week for you. Uh, Yeah, we do. Well, not for you. For you to for for, you to perform. For you to read.
1: That's okay. Um, You know what I mean? No. uh, This is from uh, anime uh, feminist, and uh, this is uh, we want you to come join the. AnnieFam at AnimeFeminist.com. If you want to know about that, well, do you like anime, manga, and video games? But are you put off by the endless fan service and sideline female characters? Or maybe you've tried a few shows but aren't sure what to go next. Check out Anime Feminist. We have recommendations, reviews of the latest anime premieres, critical essays, and podcasts that discuss Japanese pop culture, new and old, through an intersectional feminist lens all brought to you by our community of queer, gender-diverse geeks. Come join the anime fan at animefeminist.com.
2: All right. Thank you, Annie Fam. That sounds awesome. sounds very cool. Right up my alley. Right up our alley. Exactly.
0: Um, I want to say, someone's going to listen to that and tweet at me and say, Riley Smurl just said misogyny is okay if you're a woman. No, it's not what I said. Someone's going to do it.
1: Someone's going to do it. It's
0: not what I said. I don't, I don't know how to say exactly what I'm saying. I hope you all, I hope you all it's, understand what I'm trying to say. It's a, there's a difference when you, I think. You're. It, n- well, I don't want to speak for you. I think
2: I know what you're hitting on. Yeah. I, I, so I, things obviously are different if you're growing up now, but I mean, it's not like everything's all equal in the way we treat all genders. So we haven't gotten anywhere yet. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's not, we're not there. Things are better, but we're not there in some ways. Some, some things are worse. I don't know. Yeah. But I grew up definitely with an internalized misogyny. I mean, I know that's there. I know that there are parts of myself that are feminine that I have rejected and that I am um, like to this day, I try to hide or suppress or squash because I was taught to believe that those were less desirable. They were weak. They were... um, you you can't be in charge you don't get the you don't get chosen if this is what you are um and dealing with the complexity of that is very much something an artist should be able to talk about yeah. right like that is part of that experience and to say i I have learned the I feel these ways and see these things. And like, yes, as I've grown up, I see where that was a dysfunction of society. I mean, like you should be able to talk about all that out loud. Um, I think the difference is that if you are not part of, you know, a marginalized group, if you're in fact part of a group that often is an oppressor and you decide that it's your job set the boundaries for what's okay. It's your job to say no, it's fine for me to talk about, you know, women in this case this way. That's right. totally fine. That's when it becomes a problem. And it's the same thing if we were talking about like white artists trying to talk about and define the experiences of black creators. Mm-hmm. Like that that's not okay. You don't get yeah. to do that. You're in you're you know, in that case we are the oppressors and that is not a story we get to tell. Yeah. And I don't believe that in this case, somebody who is masculine presenting gets to tell the story of someone who is feminine presenting who hasn't necessarily lived that life. Does that make
0: sense? Sure, yeah. Yeah. All of this to say, I love Misery Business and I'm still going to scream it in my car. (laughs) And I'm still a feminist. (laughs) And that's okay.
1: Well, and I I mean, I think one thing that I like about Paramore, and it took me a while to admit to myself how much I like their music because... I very much, like, even when I would listen to, like, women-fronted bands, I felt like they needed to have this sort of, like, edge to make them valid, mm-hmm. and there isn't, there there are elements of, I, I don't want to say, like, femininity to Paramore, but I think, I think that's fair, like, there are love songs, you know, you're talking about The Only Exception, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. I mean, like, Still Into You, some of their big hits that I really enjoy, they're very upbeat, like... joyous love songs they're about crushes and infatuations and butterflies and I think that there was a a lot of that that sort of I I didn't turn me off I liked it but I thought I'm not supposed to like this because Mm -hmm. like valid like punk music isn't about that kind of stuff which is very silly because a lot of quote-unquote valid punk music it's a it's about girls that Broke boys' hearts. It's not any different kind of conversation, you know. We're still just Mm -hmm. yelling about our relationships, good or bad. It's, you know, like oh, but it's about male pain. That's a valid punk song. This is about female joy. That's not a valid punk song.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the only exception is such a good example of that. I mean, it it really is. By any other artist, there wouldn't even be a question of like, oh, this is this a love song? Yeah. But for some reason, I feel like you're right. There is like this idea that Paramore shouldn't be doing that. Look, he's got acoustic guitars the main featured sound and she's singing about how she loves a guy even though there's not love there but he's an exception to you know not feeling emotions because he's him and and she's in love and like that's that's okay people are allowed to have multiple emotions and multiple ways of expressing themselves and I honestly prefer listening to an artist who can change up the sound like that doesn't doesn't yeah. confine themselves I mean not that all artists aren't allowed to pick a genre they like or a sound they like and stick to it but I do appreciate the complexities and like different sounds you get listening to an album from someone like Paramore Street Through
2: yeah and, it, and I mean I don't think that it's your job necessarily as an artist to like if you get to a level of success I don't think that your job is to constantly speak for the entire community that you might represent Mm -hmm. right like you no one no one can do that no one person can do that no one signs up to be that
0: person speaking for everybody
2: right like your job as uh, like her job as a a woman is not okay now you made it speak for the way every woman feels forever Mm -hmm. and do it in a way that everybody feels happy with like Mm -hmm. no she's working through her own things like that's and that's what an artist does. They work through that stuff sometimes very publicly mm-hmm. and,
1: the, and the the big problem there is we have an understanding I mean, I don't know, this is like great, what's that that great book about like I mean it's all about pop culture, but what sex drugs and cocoa puffs it's about mm-hmm. like, there's a whole like what makes things appealing to like a like mm-hmm. a pop culture sensibility, and we mm-hmm. understand that it's specificity, which is something you can only get by interacting with your personal experiences, right like. Like the things that make us relate to a song, it's that people have very specific experiences that relate to our very specific experiences, even if they aren't exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And when you force, which is so often the the case with underrepresented voices in media, where they're made to represent everybody's experiences, they lose the ability to talk in terms of specificity because Mm -hmm. they have to be the 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 stand-in for their entire community, and that kind mm-hmm. of robs them from the tool to actually con- of the, well, the tool is to connect to people, which is just a little unfair. <laughs> we do it to ourselves. We, no, but. Mm-hmm. You,
2: you're completely right. Because if you think about how many things we've talked about on this show that have been created by cis straight white men that are incredibly different, and each one is from a very particular perspective. You know, I mean there there are, there are things that we love. That cast, you know, the protagonist in a way that is totally, you know, I mean, like they can be totally different and still be valid expressions of that creator, that Mm -hmm. artist, that whatever, because we have accepted as a society that cis straight white men can be a million different things. Mm -hmm. They can be complex and nuanced and have sides and sometimes be bad and sometimes be good and be both at the same time. And we we embrace all of that. Um,
0: but that standard doesn't necessarily get applied to anybody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I also have to share, I just, I was thinking about this while I was listening and it made me laugh. Um, that's what you get is a song that I also knew every word of and I couldn't figure out I was listening to it and I just automatically knew the words and I was like, what part of my brain is this coming from? (laughs) I haven't listened to this song in a very long time and I don't know if it was featured on like a Teen Nick show, like a Degrassi of some kind at some point or something (laughs) like that, or in like a, a commercial or like one of those like little snippets they would do in between shows on like Teen Nick or Disney or something. But I remember being way too young to know and want to sing those words with all my heart. Like I did, but I did and all my friends did and we loved that song. And I was listening to it again. I was like, why did I sing every word of this song when I was like 10 Like I had lived it. (laughs) Uh, You know, but. I'm just, I'm looking right now. (laughs) That's one of the
1: things. And this is something consistent with artists that I love. I love a musical artist that can sing something incredibly dark in an incredibly catchy way. I don't know why that's Mm -hmm. the vibe that does it for me. Because like, it's the, for me, I almost need these songs for survival. Because when you're in like a bad headspace and you just need like, I just need to get out of bed. You don't want to listen to a happy song. No, that's Mm -hmm, lies. mm -hmm. But I need to listen to something that's upbeat, but also like, yeah, life sucks, but you got to keep going. Uh, I need that. And they have a lot of songs like that. Like one of my favorites is uh, Hard Times, Mm -hmm. which is just like, that is an absolute bop. But it's also i mean it's a it's just about how hard life is and how do you survive sometimes that's what am i like i gotta get out of bed i don't want to but i have two songs hard times i'm up okay i'm going
2: (laughs) (laughs) um i was looking uh misery business was definitely
0: featured on uh degrassi okay okay well then maybe that's where i heard that's what you get also um Ain't it fun like, was another one of those. Ain't it fun I think was probably on like Radio Disney or something yeah. cuz it's one that's not it's not explicit. No. no. And it's all. just like it's one of those Paramore songs that is appealing to a mass demographic. It is I just guess. it is fun. It is indeed fun.
2: I looked to see if they were ever on Buffy. That was the other thing I thought was like this feels mm, they like, do they feel feel they like they, have they pre- should have been. performed
1: at the Bronze. Did they not? No. 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 I d- oh. no.
2: But it feels right like why was Paramore not invited to the
1: Bronze? <laughs> They were smart enough to stay out of the vampire town, I guess.
2: Maybe that's they knew that they were like, no, they're they're vampires, there, y'all. Or maybe one of
1: them is a vampire. I don't know. I don't, it's, I could. We you know could build some lore there.
2: And so they didn't want to go where the Slayer yeah. was. That <laughs> makes
1: sense. Emily Williams sense. has vampire they're vibes. In Twilight. <laughs> oh wait, mm, they are in Twilight though. <laughs> mm. Oh, <laughs>
0: lots <laughs> lots of layers. You know what's interesting? As I was looking through, I said it wasn't explicit, and I don't know why I had this assumption that lots of paramore songs would be i don't know if it's just my like misplaced association with punk music but they don't have many songs that are
1: no i mean i feel like they did it and i don't i think this is like i mentioned green day earlier i mean green day does have a lot of explicit songs but i think that that sort of radio sensibility is something that they have in mind with their songs even to the point mm-hmm. of like even if they're singing about some sort of heavy, like being really depressed or really sad or how hard life can be, they keep it clean. They make sure that mm-hmm. thing can play on <laughs> on the radio.
0: Yeah. Misery mm-hmm. Business 1000% sounds like a song that should have like an F word in there somewhere. Yeah. It's there. And it does. It sound. has a I W. Tell you <laughs> it it does know, have a W.
2: To know that she was 17 when she wrote some of this music. Yeah. I mean, not all of it when she was 17, but still that young. Um, it's incredibly savvy from like a, broad appeal standpoint mm-hmm. like that it's just the kind of music If it it, uh, it almost surprises me a little bit that there wasn't like some producer in the room saying like oh you know what'll make it hookier you know what'll make it catchier you know what'll you know because it feels that way mm-hmm. like it feels like somebody was going I know what'll grab the most ears it has that I mean it's just naturally that
1: mm-hmm. no I feel like if there, because that's one thing that like they do a fair bit of genre jumping like you know some of their hits do not sound mm-hmm. like you know we call it like kind of loosely calling them punk but it's 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 pop rock it's pop sometimes mm-hmm. it's acoustic like you know alt uh that kind of makes me feel like there is like like she is leading the ship a bit more because there isn't that like oh this is what sells so you have to keep doing it like they didn't really keep replicating the same thing over and over again every new album i think that you can kind of tell that it's not overproduced because as much as their early hits were a little bit harder, a little bit more of that sort of punk end of the pop punk, that there is a lot of experimentation. They bring in synths. They do like acoustic stuff. I think that, I mean, kind of like, you know, we talked about Taylor Swift, how she, she kind of comfortably changes up her sound because mm-hmm. she's leading the, the ship, clearly. I, right. I feel like that same experience is happening here, you know, which
0: yeah. is cool. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask. in the grand
2: tradition of Madonna, Madonna I would say. Sure. <laughs> the grand tradition. <laughs> right?
0: Just keep changing it up, you know? Uh, I do want to ask everyone's opinion now that we have officially discussed the Olivia Rodrigo album that has Good For You on it and Mm -hmm. now the Paramore album that has Misery Business on it. I hear the similarities. I do. I know how they sound very similar. I've heard the compilations where people play one over top of another. But, but, do we really think that that part of, of Misery Business, like that chord progression or whatever that is the same in Good For You, is that novel that it should have been like, oh, you have to give half of the money you make off Good For You to Paramore. Because that's what ended up happening. Wow. And I, I, See, I'm coming from the perspective of someone who was familiar with Good For You, saw that it was similar to Misery Business, listened to Misery Business, thought, oh, I've heard this before, but I didn't go into listening to Good For You thinking about that song. So I'm coming from the perspective of someone who looked at them both after the fact of all of this happening, not someone who would have known Misery Business and then was, you know, introduced to Olivia Rodrigo. I shouldn't say half it, of the royalties, but like a good a good amount of them.
2: I, I don't know. I, I think they're two separate issues. I think like in my head, the those two parts are kind of mush now. Yeah, I find myself singing along and then flipping to the other song yeah. because they're so They're very similar. They're incredibly similar Um, now. But that's a separate question, I think, from like, I don't know, that's a tough thing. We're all all of us who create things are building on other creators like that's what we do. We're all reading and listening and looking at and thinking about things that inspire us. And then sometimes that stuff sort of gets digested. And then we spit something out and we don't realize how Mm -hmm. deeply influenced we were by something. I mean, like all of that can be totally true. But I don't, does intent matter if it was an accidental, Sure. you know, I don't, I, I don't mean, know. I mean, she that's said such a it inspired question. her.
0: And that same album, she also then had to give a lot of royalties from another song to Taylor Swift. And she's, I mean, she's only a couple of years younger than me. So, like, we had the same musical influences. I just didn't write music. So I could obviously see a world in which if I was writing music, probably a lot of what I wrote would sound like something that Taylor Swift had also written. Like, that's just where my my music taste comes from. Ah. Uh.
1: You know, I feel like it was just a strategic move on her camp's part, on Olivia Rodrigo's part, mm-hmm. to head that off so it doesn't become bigger. To say, like, yeah, I, I was yeah. inspired by that and I'm paying royalties to it. I, you know. Sure.
0: They didn't want it to become a big court right, thing, I'm sure. Or yeah. just like,
1: even, like, like mar her image as like, stealing from other mm-hmm. artists. Like, I was amazed. Like, that. I didn't know about it when it happened, but the whole back and forth with, like, Gaga and Madonna with Express mm-hmm. Yourself versus Born This Way – like mm-hmm. Madonna went as far as to sing the lyrics to "Born This Way" over her track of "Express Yourself" at a concert, just to kind of say, "Say like, yeah, that's right, Lady Gaga." This, I didn't. This know that. line is this like music line is is lifted from uh, "Express Yourself," and there was apparently a lot yeah. of back and forth about that. And obviously, someone like Lady Gaga can weather that, but I don't know if you were sure. the new kid on the scene if you would really want to. Start. Yeah. I mean, she already had, like, Courtney Love calling her off by making clearly what was an inspired album cover.
0: Hmm.
2: That's true. It's hard because, like, it also, there's also a whole element there, too, where if you are a creator who has, like, maybe passed what you think is going to be the peak of your popularity. I mean, and who knows? You never know. The life of an artist is long. And so, like, maybe you have a resurgence. But if somebody comes in new who is now on the upswing and they're clearly cribbing from you in some way that's gotta that's gotta hurt that's gotta sting I Which mean
0: I would say is probably why someone like Courtney Love was quick to publicly yes, jump at yes. Olivia Rodrigo and say you stole from me but you didn't see Haley Williams or Taylor Swift publicly saying anything yeah. because right because they both still have very successful current like progressive careers
2: yeah but if you're if you're Courtney Love you got to feel like that's fine if I inspired you, but you should say it. Yeah, you should say it on the front end. This this is an um, this is an homage too, mm-hmm. you know. But I don't know. I, I have to imagine that that's part of it. I yeah. don't know, but I, I we make things, and I think like personally, if all of a sudden a new podcast about medical history that was called like Bone sawing got and <laughs> got okay, super well now big. that's you know, their know bones. what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, like, and, uh, and it was the similar vibe. You're getting into a
1: history of you're into a trademark
2: issue there. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, I, well, and I don't even know if I have that trademark. But I don't know. Well, I don't know the legality been, of it,
0: but no. yeah, I mean, I guess I, I could get into claim. That. You've been using it publicly for a pretty long time.
2: But I, I think that there would be part of me that would react very emotionally to that. Yeah. Like, I made this. This was in my head and I made it a thing. And so it's not so much about, money or fame or it's just that it was mine and it, mean a, and it meant a lot say, to me you took it I, I can see an emotional yeah. response to that
0: I think maybe the difference there is that and I mean I don't want to talk about trademark law that's boring but you <laughs> do look at like does it take away from the market of the original right. thing and you could argue that someone making a new medical history podcast called Bone on" could detract <laughs> from your market because oh, you probably I'm have sawing. a niche market of people that like sawbones and they'd look at something like that. But yes, if you're Haley yes. Williams, do you think that a 19-year-old girl writing this song that's mainly listened to by other 19-year-old and younger girls is going to take away from your key market? Probably not. Like, I don't think people that are really big Paramore fans that are going to keep listening to Paramore are going to stop listening to Paramore because they like the Olivia well, Rodrigo song. You know what I mean? It, like, it, I it is it, a different it's a different niche. It's yeah. a different era of music.
2: It raised the popularity of Paramore in that moment. Oh, yeah,
0: I'm sure. I mean, people there are probably lots of people like me who knew Misery Business in theory, but they were like, oh, well, if everyone's saying that's that similar, I'm to go listen to it.
1: Mm hmm. Well, I think that's why I believe that sort of making a public bearing of the hatchet between the two, it helped both of them out. I agree. You're right. Paramore is cool with the kids and the kids are cool with Paramore. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I I think I think we've talked a lot about granting a 17 year old, you know, Haley Williams, Mm -hmm. like some like grace for creating a song that now we would go, ooh, we you know, we'd rather not see women represented that way. I think we should also be granting a 19-year-old Olivia yeah. Rodrigo who a little may have bit been of grace. 17
0: when she wrote who, it, I don't yeah, know. for
2: like making something that it was clearly inspired by something else and not really copying to it immediately because not realizing what a big deal that would mm-hmm. be. I mean, I think we're all allowed to be young and make mistakes and learn from yeah. them and do better.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, can I ask finally, Taylor, do you have a favorite Paramore song?
1: Um. <laughs> I I do. Uh oh gosh, it've gone on so long. I don't I don't I do. It's probably ain't it fun. Mm-hmm. Um and uh it's for kind of a weird reason. Uh a, a little dark. Um you know what? Let me ask your two favorites first before I before I explain mine.
0: Uh, mine's the only exception. Well, that was oh. mine. No. So, no. Oh, okay. Oh, there me. you go. No. Uh
1: you softies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh all right, I I'm gotta gonna, I'm gonna kind of keep try to keep this brief. But sometimes, you know, you tell difficult stories because somebody needs to hear them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize this when I picked the topic. It was only when I was listening. to it, I was like, Oh, man, I almost left the song off the playlist. I was like, I don't want to talk about that. Because that's a weird kind of dark association. But it is why it's my favorite song. So I'm just gonna tell it. Uh, so Ain't It Fun is my favorite Paramore song. Because it's a song that I listened to uh, a few years ago when I was in a, a, a mental ward. <laughs> Great advertisement for Paramore here. Uh, uh, went over well in the mental ward. Um, I, I, was, I was there because I tried to uh, force quit myself. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, the number one thing, because it was a state mental ward. So it was not a very, any idea you have of like what a mental ward is for someone who's who's tried to relieve themselves from existence. Like, you know, the circles where y'all talk about your feelings, like doctors that really care about you and want to see that none of that was there. It was just be in this room. You're it's like prison for people who committed the crime of being crazy, which is not a thing you should go to prison for most things you shouldn't go to prison for. That's a whole other conversation. (laughs) Uh, But uh, so it was very bad. So obviously my goal was as much as I knew I needed help, I was very aware help was not here so as somebody that was put in crazy jail for trying to off myself, I had to convince these people that that was not, that was an accident. I was so happy and so fine. And I just, I don't know, you know, tripped and fell on a a, a bottle of aspirin. I, I don't know. Uh, definitely totally well adjusted and don't need to be here anymore. Uh so one of the few, like, actually useful sort of recuperative things there was there was this art teacher that would come in, like, every third day and bring us, like, pencils and paper to draw on. And she'd also let us pick songs to listen to while we were making art. And everybody got one song to listen to. And that scared the heck out of me because being asked, hey, do you want to listen to a song? You get one song. I'm me trying to, like, pick a song that would not say, I'm very sad. <laughs> I definitely tried to kill myself that's impossible that's just on my taste alone like I say Elliot Smith they're never letting me out I I won't get out of here so the first time I just froze up and I was like I don't you know what I don't even care that much about music I just like listening to everybody else's songs and so this girl that I I'd made friends with very quickly um asked well if you're not going to use your song can I use your song under your name because we each only get one I was like yeah you, you can have my song uh so you know she goes and puts a song up under my name and then you know the the lady the teacher announces it it's like okay the next song is for Taylor and it's it, if the world were ending you know that incredibly sad song like if the world was ending you'd come over right like, oh yeah no. and I'm just like instant panic attack like oh god I'm ne- the- she picked this song under my name I'm never getting out of here everyone's giving me these sad faces I'm like this is it <laughs> I'm screwed. So for the next time I was back in that little little session, I was like, okay, I have to find a song that is upbeat and happy and everyone will be fine with, and it will not be disagreeable, but also, like, I got a lot of tattoos. It's got to be believable. I also only have so much music knowledge, so I got so the song I chose was Ain't It Fun by Paramore. <laughs> How did and, that but, go over? Well, by then I'd made a, a few more friends uh, in the ward. i made a lot of friends in the ward, honestly. I talked to them since then. Everybody's out and doing fine. Um, but uh, I, was, I was dancing with this, this one dude to my song choice. And, uh, and you know, I, should, I should explain part of the reason that I was in such a dark place that led me there was it was before I'd actually started my transition, but I had, I had received hormones. And that was a really hard time for me. Because I had this sort of bag on my shelf that I was like, if this isn't the answer, I don't know what is. But also, if it's not the answer and I go down this road and I even become a bigger freak, like, and it's, what if it's wrong? What if nothing, it doesn't fix anything and it just makes everything harder because everything is already so hard. And that kind of led me to the place where I was just like, I don't, I don't have the courage to go through with this, but I can't keep going without it. And as I was dancing to that song with my friend in the mental <laughs> uh, there's that lyric towards the end. It's like, "Ain't it fun? Ain't it fun? Maybe now you're one of us." Which to me immediately makes me think of that old movie, Freaks. Have you all seen that movie? It's like, ah, it's from like,
2: yeah, the I know you I
1: think now. so, yeah. And they have that chant, like, "One of us, one mm-hmm. of us," where so they're welcoming the, yeah. the new person to the freak show. And it kind of struck me in that moment that, like, I, I, I never had a choice. Like, I could either. Uh, keep denying what I was and literally be driven insane, and this is where I end up, or I could accept what I was, and accept that because of that, most of the, a large percentage of the world will look at me like I'm crazy. Th- there was never a non-crazy option for me. Either be perceived as that, but take a chance on myself and maybe be OK, or s- be literally driven insane for, for good. And that line that you know, baby, now you're one of us. Ain't it fun? Ain't it fun? Like, it, it kind of was that moment where I was like, "It's, I, there's the, you know, it's not. I'm, there's nothing to lose if I take this chance because I don't have anything. I'm literally at rock bottom. This is it. So what's the worst thing that happens? And after I got out of that ward, you know, I reached out to my doctor the next day, got on a, you know, like proper dose of testosterone, started taking my hormones regularly and and I don't I haven't had those feelings since then but that song will always be really important to me because of that because it was again like a super upbeat song but that was a very dark moment but it was just you know it was it was the the song I needed and it found me when I needed it
2: Taylor I really appreciate you sharing that yeah. with us well with everybody
1: yeah well. <laughs> I don't have to think about everybody out there. I just had to share it with you too. That the other yeah. the other thing happens when when I'm not in the room.
2: Oh, well, we appreciate you yeah. and, and we you, love Jay. you and I'm I'm very grateful that you're still here with us.
1: Well, I I am too. Um, and I and I'm I'm sorry if that was a little a little heavy for generally an upbeat podcast, but I don't know I don't I don't know when I would have told that story otherwise.
2: I, I think it fits very well we were talking yeah. about Paramore's ability to do different things and I we think can we, too we can do different
0: <laughs> things too gosh dang it if Paramore can so can still buffering <laughs> well, thank, well thank, you. thank you Taylor for sharing that story and for sharing Paramore with us yes
1: Well, I can appreciate we love- you for listening I love you both
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry I just thought about me having to say what's
1: next <laughs> I'm so sorry well, I know what I, think I know this what's is a, next. The, the only good transition there could be actually. <laughs> I know I know what Riley's
2: about to say is next ahead of time. So go ahead, Riley.
0: Um anyways, I wanna talk about Barbie. Um because the new Perfect. Barbie movie's coming out and there were lots of Barbie movies that came out when I was very young that were very, very popular and had great music in them that I love and were silly little animated movies. Um and my favorite was Barbie the Princess and the Pauper. So, I would like to watch a silly little, silly little animated movie before we all watch. Um, which I'm sure we all will watch the yeah. live action one that comes out this
2: Absolutely. summer. Absolutely, I have two kids who are going to so, be very excited about this. So. It's
0: honestly, I mean, I, 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 it's been a while, but I, I think it'll still hold up. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure. hoping so. I'm excited. It's Barbie,
1: sure. and I'm really excited for the Barbie movie. So this will be a oh, good. Me too. Yeah, me
0: too. Yeah, this will be a good, good prep. All
2: right. Well, that sounds good. We'll check that out for next week. In the meantime, Tay, is your Paramore playlist on Spotify, like, can people listen to I don't uh, know how
1: that works. I think I might have my thing set on, pri- on private right now, but I, I think it, I, I, can, I can make it public. Well, it was a good playlist. I think it was a good, if you're unfamiliar with Paramore, it's a yeah, good compilation. It, it's short. It's really just the hits plus like a, a small smattering of some personal favorites. Well, thank you.
2: Uh, thank you, listeners. You should go to MaximumFun.org and check out a lot of great shows that you would enjoy. Uh, you can tweet at us at StillBuff. You can email us at StillBuffering at MaximumFun.org. And thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby, Change Your Mind.
0: This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy.
1: And I'm Taylor Smurl.
0: I am still buffering.
1: And I am too
0: Loves these. Yeah. I downloaded it while we were doing oh, it. Right. <laughs> love to
1: love.
2: Hey there, this is Drea Clark. This is Alonzo Durali. And this is Sparta! Iffy. Listen, I got 300 on the brain. We just watched the movie 300 in honor of our 300th episode of Maximum Film. That's right. And to celebrate this major milestone, we brought back original co-hosts Ricky Carmona and April Wolf.
1: But just for this one episode, right?
2: Oh, Iffy, you know we could never replace you. Some of the voices have changed over the years. Heck, the name of the show has changed too. But through it all, Maximum Film remains... The
1: movie podcast that isn't just a bunch of straight white guys.
2: Mm. Deal with it. Find this and all 300 episodes of Maximum Film anytime on MaximumFun.org. MaximumFun.org.
0: Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.